Welcome to Purifying Truths with A-Star. So glad to have you with us today. Oh my goodness, we have such a treat. Rob Lohman is with us today sharing what he has been doing since the last podcast. Welcome back, Rob. Hey, it's awesome to be back. Thank you for allowing me to come back. This is great. Absolutely. My pleasure. Please, please, please introduce yourself to the audience. Tell them who you are. Maybe they didn't hear the first time. Well, first thing I always say when people ask who am I, I start off with I'm a child of God because that's yes. where my whole existence comes from. And outside of that, cool things I get to do is uh, father of two awesome kids, been married for 17 years, and recently the author of the new, my new book, The Addiction Intervention Book. Uh, but I'm an interventionist recovery coach, just helping people break free from addiction. And as you know, and we talked about before, is addiction wears many, many, many different faces. Mm-hmm. And um, and in the journey of that, just really trying to help people find their find their place and their way to a new life. Yes, you said it correctly. I agree totally. Addiction is not just what one may think. Food is included depression. Mm. You can be addicted to feelings. You can be addicted to power. It's not just drugs and alcohol, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Rob, I know that you have coaching programs. Will you tell us a little bit about what you do? It's not basketball, is it? it it's not basketball. If I did, we uh, people would lose. <laughs> we did. We just played basketball recently with my family and had a lot of fun. We, we like to do that with my kids and wife, but you know, coaching is a really cool way to help people see the potential of their future mm-hmm. and not being defined by our past. Cause I think our, our past for so many people, at least in my own life, it defined who I was. And, and as you know, we've talked about before, I've been through some stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of lived experience and a lot of the training I've done. And I have coaches myself that help me be better at what I do. And so I'm all about coaching I'm so close and you probably are too in your world is you're so close to your passions and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. When someone else helps you look at it from a different perspective, it's like, Whoa, I never would have thought of that before. So yeah, definitely a big fan of coaching and helping people again, transform their lives. Well, you know, coaching is definitely powerful, especially as we're entering into this, oh, what do we call this into this, new era, that's what we'll call it, Um, because things are so different. We come out of the pandemic, and then there's monkeypox, and then there's the recession. It's just so many things. And so many times when you say coaching, I joke when I say basketball, you know, sports, whatever, but we're talking Mm. about life coaching. And so when you are coaching someone through whatever they're going through and showing them their potential and helping them to meet that potential, what would you recommend for them as far as mindset? Because many people look at coaching as another word for counseling and they don't mm. want no parts of it. Mm. Yeah. 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 I actually have an online course I do called the trifecta of recovery. And it's all about the difference of counseling community and coaching and mm-hmm. counseling is really focused, at least in my opinion, what I've seen through therapy, therapists and counselors, I know, A lot of it's really focused on what's happened in the past. And unfortunately for a lot of people, what we've done in the past defines and limits us from what we can do in the future. Mm -hmm. And so I am a huge fan of any of my clients that I have that coach with is encouraging them to have a counselor alongside of them as they go through coaching, because things are going to come up 
And I'm not a therapist. I'm not a licensed clinician. That's not my specialty. Mine is, yeah, um, that stuff happened and it sucked and it was hard. And, but how, you know, how long are we going to let that define what we're able to do in our future? And when people hear that, they're kind of like, wait a minute, a light bulb kind of goes off and says, wow, because really it's not a choice. It's subconscious and conscious for a lot of people, but there's this internal choice to hold on to our past and we just won't let go of it. And it's kind of like mm -hmm. holding on to a rubber band and running, running, running. And then you snap back to where you started. And, mm -hmm. and it's just little different terminologies because some people always used to call me. And as you know, my chaos of addiction and prison and suicide and all that stuff, people would say, man, Loman, you're, you're just like a, you're always bouncing back. You're a bounce back guy. I said, I don't want to bounce backwards. <laughs> I want to mm -hmm. bounce forward. So it's like cutting that rubber band and just flying forward. And that's, that's what I kind of see coaching as is we're, we're cutting the bungee cord that's keeping us from reaching our potential instead of snapping back to where we were yesterday or two months ago. I love that. And many times counseling is needed. I'm definitely not throwing any shade on counseling because I believe in counseling and therapy and all of that. But I also believe in having a life coach because what you said is so true. Not only are we cutting that cord, it's allowing us to catapult into our future. And sometimes we don't see it. We are so busy with the clouds of the past raining down on us that we don't see the rainbow on the other side. So mm. when you're doing your coaching, what would be the most important thing that you like your clients per se to take away? Just be ready for different. That's one thing I talk to clients a lot about is just be ready for different and be open to receiving information that we talk about because coaching is all about the client. Mm -hmm. It's not about me and my agenda for them. It's about them and their agenda for themselves. So many times they don't even know what the agenda is. So I really encourage clients to press in and challenge themselves and to be uncomfortable to go forward. Indeed. I totally understand that. And you know what I admire about coaches is that not only are you talking about the future, you kind of free the mind, you free the person from their past. There's no judgment. There's no woulda, couldas. You start right there and you go forward. And that's so important that we let the past stay in the past. Not saying to ignore it, not saying not to learn from it, but we don't have to relive it every day. We yeah. don't have to keep visiting that. It does not define who we are. It's mm. something that was in the past. Yeah. I so like grateful that. for the work you do. So this new book, book number two. So congrats. You know, I'm an author, so I absolutely love to read. I have not gotten it yet, but trust you me, I will. Your new book, The Addiction Intervention. So let's talk about what made you what made you write the second book? I mean, you're already an author. You'd met that goal. <laughs> yeah, well, it was back in when the pandemic started in 2020. And, you know, I mean, the, the amount of addiction and everything that skyrocketed from there. I was really trying to figure out, you know, how do I kind of get in my name out more around the country uh, instead mm -hmm. of kind of local and, and sort of regional here. And so I started just interviewing interventionists around the country. And, and then I learned how to do these online summits. And so I did this huge art of intervention project summit with 44 speakers and 
all sorts of different professionals. And through all that, I just kind of saw this theme and I thought, okay, there's a lot of different ways to help families understand how to help a loved one break free from addiction. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a lot of ways to help the family themselves understand how do they break free from the, I'm not a big fan of the word codependent behavior, but that's something people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. You know, the co- the codependency of their, you know, their loved one who's struggling with addiction. So how do we help both sides see that there's a way to move forward? And how do we help professionals understand like the process of an intervention to help a family member? So out of that is what spawned the addiction intervention book. So that's kind of how it all came together is how do I take a bunch of these interviews, bring them together with a collaborative effort to educate people. So I narrowed it down to 10 professionals and I chose these 10 professional interventionists because one, they're in all different parts of the country and each one has a different way they kind of do their intervention process, but Mm -hmm. there's a common theme between all of them. So it's a way that people can read the book and say, Hey, I'm going to read all these different strategies to be a better professional in the industry. And I'm going to read these to learn how to help my family People can do interventions on their own. It's it's not really advised because having a professional help you navigate it is key. It's kind of like if you were going to go climb Mount Everest and you read a book and you just went to go climb Mount Everest by yourself because you read the book, it's going to be really hard. Danger. Yeah, danger, death, all all that crazy stuff, right? So, But if you have a guide... And a team that can help you up the top of the mountain, you're going to hit the summit and be grateful you did. And by taking advice and instructions and all those things along the way. So that's kind of the way I look at the book is, you know, it's nice to read it, but when you can use a professional to help you help your loved one, it's so much more powerful. Indeed. It is definitely powerful. You know, Rob, as I listen to you, I'm just amazed by your story, but I'm thinking about those that don't know your story. So will you please just share what makes you the expert? Okay. So you wrote a book. Okay. So you have some courses during COVID. Everybody's looking for extra money. So everybody becomes an expert. Please share with us what makes you not only qualified, what makes you different and what makes you tick? Because it's definitely not the coins. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a quick analogy once uh, and I'll dive into that. Cause think about if you ever went to a marriage counselor, right. Mm-hmm. And they've never been married before. Oh, yeah. w- w- would you think their advice was going to be handy? Not at all. Or a parenting class and the person's not even a parent, but they read a book. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I, I've been in those situations before, and I'm thinking, why are you teaching this class? You, you, you have no clue what happens in a marriage, and you have no clue about being a parent. Mm-hmm. So what qualifies me as an expert in this field is 15 years of hardcore alcohol and drug addiction that ruined my life. You know, 25 years-ish of dealing with suicide ideation that caused me to understand mental health in such a unique way. Mm-hmm. Um, my mental health sent me to prison in my own recovery because I stopped doing the things that I knew I should be doing to maintain a healthy, mentally balanced life. And so, I, so I've been through the ringer 
Mm-hmm. And I've also been through tons of training and education and spent hundreds of hours with other interventionists and other coaches. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a, it's a eclectic cornucopia of knowledge that I bring. Cause I've been there. I've seen family members that have struggled with addiction. I have lost close friends and unfortunately family members of clients that continued in their own addiction. I've seen it all up and down the street. So from lived experience, professional experience, and, and just having an amazing group of professionals around the country that I continue to dive into their books and CEU classes and, and grow, bring all that together. And that's what I bring to the table as a coach and an interventionist. And you are an amazing coach and an even more amazing interventionist. I love the way that you summed it up with electric corticopia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've been, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a nice cornucopia of experience, that's for sure. Yes. Well, even though you have a past, what I'm just intrigued by is that you overcame that. And you didn't just overcome it for you. There's so many others that are learning from and being influenced by and walking differently because they're being coached by you, because they've heard your story, because they've read your book. For that, I thank you because I think Mm. that's what it's all about. Not being selfish, but once you get out, put your hand back and help somebody else up too. And I respect you for that. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's dig into this book. Um, You're talking about strategies for families. You know what I love? That is both sides. You're not just talking to the addict. You're not just talking to the family. You're not just talking to professionals, but you have a way of just melting them all together so that each person understands. With that being said, let's go ahead and dive into these strategies. What do you recommend? And I'm going to give you a scenario. And, you know, knowing that you're the expert that you are, I'm sure you'll have great advice. We have, like you said, all the things going on since COVID. And um, domestic violence is on an all-time high. Drug abuse is all-time high. What do you recommend to that family that has that, I don't know, aunt, uncle, both aunt and uncle that um, (laughs) is dealing with addiction and they've been dealing with it and been able to function because not every addict is homeless and living under a bridge like we tend to picture them, right? They're functioning in society, they're working, but then the recession then COVID, all of the things. And so now they're kind of losing that battle and they see them sinking. How do Mm. you address that? And how do you help them? What advice do you have? Now, the biggest thing is that if if nothing changes, nothing changes. So you either have to accept your normal Mm -hmm. or do a couple things that are going to help change that. And it doesn't have to be these crazy drastic things, right? Of get out of the house or we're never going to talk to you again type stuff, right? But it's some simple uh, healthy boundary settings that family members can do with each other. And and you never know what the right situation is going to be for people, but it's just trying some different things out. I mean, there's simple things like uh, family recently I was helping, you know, their son was using the credit card to buy whatever he wanted, you know lunch, dinner, breakfast, whatever, gas, all these mm-hmm. things. And I just helped, you know, really helped kind of coach the family and the and the parents on 
making some restrictions, some simple restrictions on using the credit card. And those subtle little changes caused a big change in the family, which was great. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was it was learning how do you step in and have a conversation with your loved one in a loving way, not a confrontational way. And some things just as simple as, you know, honey, I don't know how to help you at this point, but just so you know, I'm I'm seeking some help so I can help myself because I care about myself enough. So you might see some changes happening around here mm-hmm. and you can come along and on for the ride with the changes or not, but something has to change because family reunions can be a disaster because like you said, Uncle Billy is the alcoholic and everyone is so worried about upsetting Uncle Billy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, well, guess what? Maybe you uninvite Uncle Billy from the family reunion, right? Oh man, that just freaks everyone out. Well, we can't do that because he's part of the family. I said, yeah, but his addiction is causing the whole family to not have fun because they're just waiting for him to lose it in the mm-hmm. thing. So, so it's teaching people how do you step into that conversation with him and say, look, you know, I, I love you a bunch, but bottom line is, every year something happens because of your dependency on substances. Mm-hmm. People don't like the word addiction, but they don't mind the word dependency on substances. Mm-hmm. So people just using that different language can be the difference of an explosive conversation to a conversation that's not as explosive, but still has tension. Mm-hmm. People with addictions, they're always being told what to do. So somehow if you invite them into the process and say, well, address the elephant in the room, or it's just going to keep continuing. You're going to hate birthday parties because that person's always there or everyone is unhealthy. So the choices, are you willing to make change for yourself, which will then eventually bring change to your loved one? That is so powerful. And when we find ourselves in that situation, many times we don't know the wording to use. So mm-hmm. I love that you brought to the intention how important it is, not the point that you're trying to get across, but how you get that point across. Because there's nothing wrong with what you're saying, but maybe how you're saying the verbiage, yeah. the tone, the nonverbal, you know, that makes it then confrontational. I thank you for sharing that with us. And also when you have Uncle Billy causing a ruckus, we find ourselves guilty. Like, oh, I should have mm. invited him. Like you said, oh my goodness, we can't not invite him. Well, what if what if this is the last family reunion? And so you ponder in your mind things, even though you know it would be better if he wasn't there. How do you help the family that's having to make those hard choices? And what advice do you have for them? Well, really, it, it starts with you know, a conversation of what are they willing to do? What changes are you willing? Because change is uncomfortable. It's it's hard to confront, if you we can use that word, uh, or bring about change to a situation that's been happening for years or decades. Mm-hmm. And and you said earlier, it's kind of like you just kind of accepted it. Well, that's just the way it is. But why do we have to accept mediocrity? Why can't we expect mm-hmm. excellence and healed relationship. So it's challenging family members. What are you willing to do to bring about the change? Or you just got to accept, accept where you are and kind of call me when you're ready for change. I mean, sometimes I have to get that place with families is we've been doing this for six weeks and no one's doing anything different. So 
just call me when you're ready for some change and we'll get to work. Because mm -hmm. really, and sometimes it's just, that's an eye opener. Yeah, it is. It, well, it's kind of you take it away. It's like, well, wait, well, wait a minute. You can't. Wait, but we've been talking. I said, well, yeah, but the bottom line is there are a lot of people that want help. And if you're not willing to implement some of these changes in your life that we talk about, then in, in some ways I'm kind of like, well, what are we doing here? Call it what it is and move and go forward. Because, you know, you hear some people that are, they go see counselors for 10 years for the exact same issue they've had for 10 years. Yes. And I'm like, what are you doing? What's Just the point? You want, yeah. Do you want to you keep paying for their Mercedes or what? I mean, change is about making change. So there's this kind of contemplate like stages of change, right? Are we in, are we in pre-contemplation where we're really thinking about maybe making change? And we start moving through this kind of process, which uh, I won't really get into that right now, but, but mm -hmm. as you make little changes, moving to the next stage of change is huge because you're a little more committed and a little more committed. And when I work with family members a lot, at first, some of the concepts I talk about are, they just don't understand them. It's like, well, the, but that, how is that even going to work? I say, well, well, let's just try it. Like the credit card thing I told you about, mm -hmm. you know, you shift to the point of where you're living at home. We buy groceries. You can eat food here, but here's $150 for gas for the month. And that's all you get you know, obsess their loved one, but you see over time, it's like, well, dang, I need more money. I need to, I guess I need to go get a job. Mm -hmm. And then your loved one, yeah, they get a job because they're tired and pissed off that they only have a gas card and you, they used to have unlimited credit card. Yes. And I see this all the time. It's so, I mean, sometimes I say if we we're talking about before, but the, the change is so powerful. And when I talk about these things, I just want to say out there, if clients are listening, I'm not talking about you. But if it's hitting home with you, maybe this is something you could change in your own realm. Um, mm -hmm. But, but the, the 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 example of you know son or daughter or husband spending a ton of money on credit card on everything, and you're like you don't go out to lunch and spend one hundred twenty dollars on lunch just for food, mm -hmm. right? They're drinking. It's like paying attention to what is being charged, and eventually it's like, hey, you're done with the card. Here's a hundred fifty dollar gas card for you to use. And what that eventually ends up doing is it, it changes the mindset of the person with the substance abuse or whatever the food addiction or shopping addiction or w whatever addiction, right? Working mm -hmm. out, fitness, all these things, because addiction has many faces. But when you start tightening things up and making some changes on your end as the family member, the loved one's going to have to make some changes at some point because in the, in the example of the credit card going to just $150 a month gas card, well, now they if they spend that gas card at the gas station on alcohol, then they have no gas to get anywhere, mm -hmm. right? And then when the card's done, it's done. So, you know, I encourage family members to make people show your receipts. And it sounds like you're babysitting someone, but what it is is it's change that is going to motivate in some way your loved one to make change in their life, good or bad, mm -hmm. good or bad. And so those are the, those are the things, these little changes that if family members will just incorporate them, they will see change happen. And that's what we're all about is little tiny changes, nothing major and drastic, unless it is a life threatening situation. Then we have to get aggressive with change and boundaries like quickly. Mm -hmm. 
that's so important because many times we think we have to make that drastic step. You're going to rehab right now. And then they're like, no, I'm not. Then what else do you have? You know, because that was your big gun and you've already used it and it benefited you little or nothing. You work on change, but a little at a time and still meeting the goal and setting those healthy boundaries and keeping the other person accountable. I mean, we all need that, whether we have an addiction or not. Accountability is so important. We both have touched a little bit on this addiction and what addiction is, but we want to be very clear that addiction is not just drugs and alcohol. You can be addicted to anything, anything that's taking over. And so have you had any experiences with other than drug and alcohol, suicide, as far as addictions that you help with? Yes. Uh, gambling addiction is another one because that's something oh, yes. else, else I struggled with. And, you know, and here, here's the cool thing is that with the book coming out, I mean, it's already hit number one in eight different categories on Amazon for new releases. And one of them is gambling addiction. Because when you deal with gambling addiction or shopping or Facebook or gaming addictions or anything like that, those are all process addictions, which are a different animal than substance abuse addictions. Because when you deal with things like gambling, shopping, and gaming addictions, which are huge, you don't have to put anything into your body to change your chemical makeup. Mm-hmm. It's just happening in your brain and in your body of your dopamine depletion and your serotonin levels and all these things are getting out of whack. So you have to do something else more extreme, like find a crazier game to play on, you know, on your gaming device or find something more exotic to, to search for when you're shopping because everything else was kind of boring or mm-hmm. like food addiction is another process addiction along with sex and porn addiction. Mm-hmm. And food addiction, you have to learn how to have a healthy relationship with food. Now, I like food just like the next person, right? <laughs> and I know we live in a, a, a culture where I think food addiction is one of the number one addictions because of carbs and sugar. And sugar addiction is huge. Yes. But we have to learn how to have a healthy relationship with food. Just like in gambling addiction, we have to learn how to have a healthy relationship with money. Right, just like mm-hmm. sex and porn addiction, we have to learn how to have a healthy relationship with people of the opposite sex. We're in relationship with people, right? So, all these things have a different nuance to them. But the bottom line, honestly, what I feel is we're all just trying to find our purpose and identity mm-hmm. in our life. I agree. We are. Also, you know, Rob, many times because of our past, because we haven't cut that cord, that is haunting us. Mm. That is in the corners of our mind where we're not even able to go forward, even if we know what our purpose is, because, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm not good enough, or, oh, I did this, or, oh, this happened to me. I love how you started out in the beginning with the bungee cord analogy and how we have to cut that cord in order to move on. And see what there is out there for us to do and fulfill that purpose and walk in those steps that have been ordered for us so that we can help the next person that's waiting for our talents and gifts. Mm. And that's what it's all about. 
You talked a little bit about your book and how it's already number one. Let's talk about what else are you doing? What's next for you, Rob? Yeah, well, one other thing on the book, let me tell you, is mm-hmm. 25% of the net profits from the book we're um, putting into a scholarship fund for people that need help with sober living scholarships or counseling needs. And so there's a cool part that's something just to give back. And then the book's filled with QR codes where people can literally snap a QR code and go watch the videos I did with the interventionists that are in the book. So trying to make it an interactive type book as well. But to answer your question is what's next. Yes. What's next for lifted from the rut. Everything is really working this year towards uh, getting on more stages. And so a lot of speaking engagements coming up and people can find more about that at um, roblomanspeaks.com. That's L-O-H-M-A-N. And just wanting to get out more around the country. And so that's kind of one of my plans is, you know, see me in different states all around the country. So mm-hmm. if you have an event or something like that and uh, you're looking for a dynamic speaker, call my friend, Mike, just kidding. Give me a call. <laughs> Look me up. Um, you know, new co- new group coaching programs are rolling out in August. Next year is going to be really cool doing some private coaching with weekend excursions, like more experiential weekends with NFL mm-hmm. players in recovery and celebrities in recovery and just getting away to the mountains and just doing cool stuff like that. So when I say expect different, that's what's coming and that's what's kind of been here, but more you know, and thanks to my my coaches, man, they're pushing me. I mean, my mm-hmm. coaches are pushing me to do stay focused on Christ and pushing me to do more. Um, and I'm excited for that. It's challenging me. I'm growing. And yeah, so I mean, all that people can find all this stuff out at liftedfromtherut.com. And, um, and then, yeah, on Amazon, they can go look up the addiction intervention book and uh, grab yourself a copy and get one for a friend. That's it. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm super excited. Like I said, I haven't gotten it, but I will. I'm super excited to read it. And I love that it's different that you have those QR codes in there. That's something that will definitely keep your reader intrigued for those that don't like to read. That will be a reason to get this because you can just scan (laughs) it and watch the video that would prompt you and help you as well. Also, I love that you're giving back. You're always giving back. My goodness, that you're giving a portion of the book, 25%. I am so blessed to have met you. I'm so grateful because what you're doing is definitely illuminating the world. We mm. all struggle with some sort of addiction, whether it's mental or physical. We can be helped by you. Mm. So thank you Thanks so much. much, Rob. Yeah, I appreciate Absolutely. it. My pleasure. Thank you for joining Purifying Truths. And thank you for tuning in to Purifying Truths with A Star. You too can connect with A Star. Instagram and Facebook at Facets of A Star. Tune in every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for exciting new guests who illuminate the world in the various facets of life.